There's no question a lot is at stake in this year's election at all levels of government. We here at the Topeka Capital Journal are doing our part to share the perspectives of those running for elected positions in Kansas. My name is India Yarbrough, and I'm a reporter for the Capital Journal. Over the next few weeks, leading up to the November 3rd general election, our reporters will be interviewing candidates running for local, state, and national offices. We'll be asking them questions about their platforms and priorities, and having conversations about what this year's election means to Kansans. We hope you enjoy listening to our Election 2020 podcast series. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Topeka Capital Journal's 2020 election podcast. My name is Andrew Ball, and I'm one of the State House reporters at the Capital Journal. And in these podcasts, we are sitting down with federal, state, and local candidates to talk about the issues that matter to Kansans. Today, I am joined by uh, State Senator Barbara Boyer, who is running the Democrat running in the U.S. Senate. Senator Boyer, thanks for sitting down with us. Thank you. It's great to be here. Hello, Topeka, my second home. (laughs) Yeah, well, so we've been just starting off with all of our candidates, asking them to talk a little bit about who they are as a Kansan and why you decided to run for the U.S. Senate. You know, I'm a physician and I'm not a politician and I'm a person that focuses on facts and data and just common sense to fix problems. And what is very clear to me and so many Kansans, we need more of that in Washington, especially at a time like this. And I've always been about improving people's lives and not getting into political fights. And bottom line, I'll be a voice of reason uh, in the U.S. Senate so we can address those huge problems that are facing Kansans. That's what I'm doing and, you know, the issues that I'm hearing from people, they need affordable health care, small businesses need to be supported right now and, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and people want leaders to follow science. So you were recently a Republican, as recently as 2018. Can you talk a little bit about why you switched parties and how that has impacted, informed your your run in 2020? You know, I grew up and have lived most of my life as a moderate Republican in this state with Senator Nancy Landon Kassebaum as my role model because she always put people before party and just wanted to be sure that people in the Senate worked across party lines. And I'm so proud to have her endorsement. So over time, as, uh, as I was in elected office, I found myself just constantly at odds with Republican leadership on things like fully funding our schools and expanding Medicaid and, of course, the horrible brownback tax experiment. And so, uh, and, you know, ultimately it took a group of moderates and Democrats to rescind that terrible tax plan and get us on a path of fiscal responsibility and stability. So when Laura Kelly was running in 2018 and Chris Wolbach was her opponent, it was clear to me that she needed to be our governor. And I endorsed her across party lines, which caused leadership to strip me of my 
leadership positions uh, made them pretty darn mad. And uh, once uh, the people of Kansas had spoken out, and yes, they agreed that she should be our governor, uh, I realized it was past time. I needed to move to a party that would let me work and do the work of the people. And I'm a very proud, pragmatic Democrat now. My values haven't changed at all, and my votes didn't change. So there are a lot of people jaded with politics. They think that, you know, as you reference, you've been framing yourself as a moderate voice. They think that those kinds of moderate voices don't exist anymore, that you know, maybe they do, and then they get to Washington and they fall in line with their party. How do you respond to that? And uh, how do you plan to kind of maintain that moderate, independent voice uh, in Washington? Well, I'm going to raise my hand. I'm a tough woman. And if you've looked at my records over the years, I vote against party leadership on either side to do what's right for the people. That's always been how I've done things. And a lot of people around me get really challenged by that. But it is what needs to be done. And uh, some of the Democratic leadership that I've spoken with in Washington, I have been very, very clear. I am not a sheep. I am about representing the people of Kansas. And that's what I'm going to bring to Washington. And uh, I've been under... (laughs) Many times, lots of pressure, uh, intense pressure. I've been removed from committees uh, as the only doctor taken off the health committee. And you know what? You find other ways. You work around those things to get the bill of the people done. And I'm really looking forward to being that strong, very sensible, moderate voice for the people of Kansas and Washington. So... Getting into the issues a little bit, as you mentioned, you are a doctor, and uh, this is a. There's a lot going on that being a physician would presumably inform your your views on issues. Uh, starting with COVID nineteen, where most Kansans kind of are starting these days. You know, how would you grade the federal COVID re- uh, pandemic response? Um, you know, based on your 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 background. And what more does the federal government need to do going forward to protect the public health and the economic health of Kansans? What a great question, Andrew. And really, quite frankly, I am deeply concerned about the response, very limited that it's been from Washington, because we need people there that what they're doing, they're just standing in their corners, Democrats and Republicans, and what they need to do is they need to come together Uh, And so very critically, they need to get another recovery bill passed. And Americans and Kansans, they need help now. And we need things like more money for schools and small businesses need to be supported so they can keep their employees. And, you know, unemployment benefits, we need need to be able to extend them. Uh, And especially for people... There are a lot of people that don't have a job to return to and won't. And what we really need is more recesses, uh, resources to make sure that we have testing, appropriate testing, and the PPE uh, in our hospitals, in our schools, etc. We really need leadership. And that includes this, you know, wearing a face mask, 
we need to follow the advice of our public health experts and do things like wear the mask. We need to keep our social distancing. And most importantly, as leaders, we need to model that behavior because when leaders lead, people follow. On the COVID relief, you know, it doesn't, the, the odds of a deal do not seem to be looking good. Maybe that'll change after the election. There's been some talk of that. If that does, if there's no real federal relief between now and January, would you say that would be your top priority uh, if elected, you know, starting off in the Senate? You know, I want to be clear. My top priority will be what Kansans' top priority is. That's my job to serve the people. At this moment, their top priority is health care, having affordable and accessible health care. That also is tied into this pandemic, a limitation. And if the economics, if truly these people won't come together, we will be in a horrific economic crisis. Every, everybody that's in uh, economics predicts that, how important it is that we need to get money into our system. So I hope and pray that they will wake up and do what's right for the people. If that is what is the number one issue, of course I'll be working on it right away to make sure that our you know, small businesses do get what they need and that people can stay in their homes, their apartments, whatever, uh, that they're not out on the streets, that they can feed their kids. And of course that they can have health care during a public health pandemic. Well, you mentioned healthcare uh, again, something that's been talked about a lot during the pandemic. Uh, you were a big proponent of Medicaid expansion in the, when you were in the state house. There are some questions about the future of the Affordable Care Act, given the, the court case uh, pending before the U.S. Supreme Court. Depending on how that goes, what do you think needs to be the first steps in Washington to make sure that Kansans do have access to health care? You know, I can't speculate what will happen in the future with the Supreme Court. There's no way for us to know. In the interim, we need to build on what is working in the Affordable Care Act, doing very simple things like keeping pre protections for pre-existing conditions in place, which sadly my opponent voted to end the Affordable Care Act and take that away from people in the middle of a pandemic, for gosh sakes. Uh, we want to have a public option buy-in. That would be a great way to get costs down uh, for people and give them an option while continuing to give people the choice of having their private insurance. Many people uh, are pleased with it and they should be able to keep it because I am a believer in competition and I think that will help the system. Ultimately, our goal is to do also reduce costs. And one of the very first things that we can look to do is negotiate through Medicare with pharmaceutical companies to reduce prices. Once again, my opponent voted against that. And it is why, in the first place, Donald Trump said we should buy our drugs from Canada or other countries. They actually negotiate for prices. We need to be able to do that too and start the path forward to getting healthcare for people for it to be affordable. 
And then one last question in the pandemic response. We hopefully are moving towards a potential vaccine. Obviously, don't know when that will be. But you know, you were critical of the federal government's response. They obviously will have to take a major role in rolling out the vaccine. How do you do you trust the the federal agencies to to succeed in that role? And what do you think needs to be done to ensure that we can get the vaccines to Kansans, particularly those on the front lines, uh, expediently? Well, first, we have to make sure that we are able to move ahead and do the very things to prevent the spread, which is follow public health guidelines. We don't know when a vaccine is going to come. And of course, our goal, once it is released, proven safe, uh, and we can move forward, we want to get it to our frontline workers first so they can care for others and do the very jobs that we need done that are essential. And thank you to all those essential workers out there, you know, from those who are cutting our meat to those who are stacking our grocery store shelves to those who are in emergency rooms and hospitals, all of you and our teachers, you're all frontline workers and we need to get you the protection that you need. So, uh, you know, my job as a U.S. Senator is to ensure that these things are happening. And I am very good at being a watchdog and standing up and speaking out when things aren't getting done. And that's what I'll do. But let's make an assumption. Let's have hope in this country for once that the right thing will happen. Shifting gears a little bit, uh, in recent days, the issues of guns and gun control has popped up in this race. Uh, Your opponent has been critical of remarks that you made on the campaign trail, uh, praising strict gun control measures in Australia. I guess starting off with, can you outline your beliefs uh, with regards to ownership of guns, an issue important to many Kansans? Uh, And, and, okay, we'll start there. Yet again, Roger Marshall takes my comments out of context. He cut that video. He made it look like something that it wasn't. I was discussing and talking about my daughter who lives in Australia in the context of, I support the second amendment. They don't have one, how sad. I support it. I'm gonna say it multiple times. I support our second amendment. I don't support gun confiscation. That's ludicrous. I never have. I never will because I'm a gun owner. I grew up hunting, shooting with my dad. He taught me, taught me safety first. And it was a a great experience. And again, I support the second amendment. And it is really disturbing to see an opponent be so desperate that he'll mislead Kansans on my record. And again, the video was just completely out of context. I support the second amendment. As far as with specific policies, you know, do you believe there should we be looking at a ban on semi-automatic weapons, bump stocks, expanding background checks? What specifically do you think, you know, to strike the balance between preserving the Second Amendment and, uh, and do you think there should be limitations on on gun ownership? You know, to be clear. Let's start with the NRA. The NRA started, and my dad was a lifelong member, it started about safety. So that should be our focus. How can we have safety? 
And how can we end or protect against gun violence that is a public health problem right now? So how do we get votes? Well, I think one of the first places we start is um, background checks, complete background checks. That is a place, even we know in the NRA they vote for it. So that is an easy place to begin because we don't want guns in the hands of terrorists and criminals and abusers. That is a good place to start. And then you move out, but you have to come to compromise and agreement. So we'll see what comes to the table. Bottom line, I want people to be safe in this country. No one supports gun violence, no one. Changing gears again a little bit, uh, in Topeka, across the state, across the country, we have seen folks demonstrating for increased accountability in law enforcement, uh, people of color expressing their anger uh, at the the uh, current law enforcement system, at the criminal justice system. You know, just starting off, we've been asking all our candidates this. Do you believe Black Lives Matter? Do you agree with the statement Black Lives Matter? Of course. And what do you think your role as a federal lawmaker should be in formulating a policy response to those folks on the street and uh, and facilitating the, the kinds of dialogues that they are looking for? Um, I think you hit the real crux of the matter, dialogue. And, and it's not just dialogue, it's listening. We, as white people, have failed. We have failed to listen to our black brothers and sisters, to hear them tell us that they've been being treated differently by the criminal justice system, law enforcement, courts, it is a challenge and a huge problem for them. So we need to start by having conversation that means listening to one another, not just to respond back, but to understand one another. So then we can move forward doing things like, of course we'll fund the police. We need to fund the police. Our fear right now during COVID is that the federal government won't get a package to our local governments so they can fund the police. Uh, but we need to fund them and we need to fund services outside of the what should, it should not be the police's responsibility, like mental health care, substance use disorder, treatment facilities, etc. So that the, our, our, our law enforcement can focus on what they need to do and people who need help and care and don't belong in the criminal justice system can get what they need. And ultimately, we need to get you know anti-bias training to our local law enforcement people. Of course, that takes support and funding. They need to be able to establish and, and have maintained good relationships with their communities, doing things like coffee with a cop and whatever else it may be. So all those things are possible, but bottom line is we have to admit that there's a problem and we need to move forward to fix it. Um, I'm going to steal a little bit of question that was asked during the first debate. Um, we are both white. <laughs> uh, 
I guess podcast listeners can't necessarily see that. But um, you know, how do you plan to use the privilege that that comes with that uh, in Washington to speak on behalf of Kansans of color? You know, not just black Kansans, but um, the Latino community, uh, American Indian communities. You know, how do you plan to use that platform, that privilege uh, in Washington? Brilliantly, wisely, appropriately. That's how I plan to use it because it needs to be done. All of us are tired of people that say they're going to do these things and don't. If you look at my record in the state legislature, I have always worked hard for those voices towards that, that don't get heard very often. Uh, I've been on the committees that don't get support from, you know, like working on mental health issues and justice issues. When I say that Pledge of Allegiance every day and those black senators that stand with me, they hear me. I don't just say uh, liberty and justice for all. I say liberty and justice for all. And I mean that, and we have got to do that. So let's talk about our Latino friends. What matters now is immigration reform, and Washington is broken on that area. They have failed to do so, not just in the last four years in this administration, but for many years. We've needed immigration reform probably since the 70s, and we've got to get people to come together and get it done. And give people a path to citizenship. If they're undocumented in this country, they're working hard, paying taxes, and if they haven't, let's have them pay them back. But we need those workers. We know one in 10 Kansans uh, of workers are an immigrant right now. And I'm hearing from people all over the state, businesses, that and for our farmers and ranchers, they can't get the help that they need because they can't bring in the immigrants to do these jobs because our system's broken. So we need to get to work and get that done. We need to support our DACA children who have come here under no choice of their own, who we've educated well, they are ready to become citizens. They just need the ability to get that piece of paper and in our communities. Let's make that happen. Join to change gears one more time. A lot of issues to talk about. Um, it goes without yeah. saying that farming is maybe the most important industry in Kansas. Uh, you know, how do you plan to strike the balance at the federal level between maybe the need to address climate change and the need to ensure that Kansas farmers and ranchers are competitive nationally and globally? Okay, really, really important. Agriculture, ag-based industries in Kansas, that it is the backbone of who we are. They employ a huge percentage, percentage of the Kansas workforce and of course, um, numbers. 40%, 40% of our economy is, is based around ag industry. And even more than that, Agriculture defines our identity as our state. It's part of our huge part of our traditions. You know, everyone thinks of Wizard of Oz and the farm and, you know, wheat, which they should because we feed 
a huge part of the world with our wheat crops. I have spent 11 years as a state legislator voting for our ag community, helping them. Uh, you know, I was endorsed in the past by the Farm Bureau because I stand with ag. And I've just now been doing a whole lot of listening. I'm not going to pretend to say that I am the world's expert on ag, but I am ready to learn and have had a fantastic opportunity traveling the state to hear about so many opportunities to improve uh, things for our farmers and ranchers. And they, you know, I've spoken to former U.S. Ag Secretary Dan Glickman and uh, visited, guy, I don't know with how many different ag people and Farm Bureau people and Farm Union people. The bottom line is, it is my job as a public servant to bring their voice forward, to listen to them and get them at the table. Things don't go our way when we don't bring their voice to the table, and I will be doing that. And that's what they need to know. I've got their backs. Ag is Kansas. I will be on the Ag Committee, and I won't be leaving the Ag Committee. One real quick follow-up. You mentioned the Farm Bureau. This election, they have endorsed your opponent. That matters to a lot of farmers, a lot of folks. How would you maybe put their minds at ease as far as that goes? You know, I, the Farm Bureau clearly decided they think this individual would do what's best for them. But let me be clear. Um, ag isn't just about ag, it's rural. And the number one issue for our rural communities that I hear day in and day out is access to affordable health care. And 80% of Kansans say we need to expand Medicaid in this state. And we need to do that, and it's been blocked by Republican leadership in this state, as well as my opponent has stood firmly against expanding Medicaid. Our rural hospitals are dependent. They need this to happen because they have such uh, bottom lines that are either you know so close to the edge that they need that uh, support. We've missed out on like $4 billion that could have come into our economy. We've had rural hospitals closing. Uh, and part of the reason is because of the lack of expansion of Medicaid. That is what listening is about. Farm Bureau isn't about healthcare. They're only about the ag piece, but the entire community is what matters to me. I've always, and like I said, I've been endorsed by the Farm Bureau in the past. Uh, so you know that I support their policies, but uh, that's their choice for this election. But it doesn't mean I would not be the, a, a, a good choice as well. They just had to pick one. That's their business. But I know what a great representative I will be for those people on all issues. And the number one that I'm hearing is healthcare, which my opponent is standing firmly against what they want. That scares me. We are almost out of time, so I'm going to end on this. Uh, we've been asking folks to just say what your, I know you said your biggest priorities are what Kansans want, but I'm going to ask this anyway. 
what are your three biggest priorities? And you know, this can be a chance if there's something we didn't talk about that was that you consider a key plank of your campaign. You can mention it now. Absolutely. So number one issue that I'm hearing from Kansans, affordable, accessible health care. We've gone over that already. Number two issue that I'm hearing from Kansans is broadband access. Uh, it is a challenge. We've learned that during COVID, how dependent we are on it. It will give great opportunity for us to uh, have more people move to our rural areas and help them get telehealth, teleeducation, just telework. Uh, we need to do that. Uh, and there are people that live on the edges of big cities, too. They struggle just as much. Uh, the third uh, issue that I hear, and it's not really issue, it's about values. People value people that will work together. And that's the number one thing as far as a value that I hear from people and what they put as one of their top issues they're tired of the hyper-partisanship. They are tired of people standing on either side and not working together. My campaign has been based from the beginning about bringing blue and red together. Just look at my logo. Blue and red line intertwined because that's what Kansans want. We want to build a good Kansas. Yes, we're red. Yes, we're blue. But we have so much common ground. And instead of fighting about it, we need to build on that common ground and make Kansas and our United States of America the best that it can be. I am the candidate that brings that to the table. Barbara Bollier is the Democrat running in the U.S. Senate race against Republican Roger Marshall. Uh, Senator, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Let's have a great day in Kansas, folks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you're looking for more, you can support local journalism by subscribing to cgonline.com, reading our articles, and following the latest news on our social media platforms. You can also find more podcasts like this one in the Apple Podcasts app, on Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.